Are you guys ready? Yes. Uh-huh. Bonesaw is ready. <laughs> Welcome to Superhero Century, our podcast breaking down every superhero movie this side of the year 2000. We are all here. I'm Dan. I'm Tom. I'm Matt. And I'm Kat. All right. This is episode four of our podcast series, and this is a very special episode. I'm super excited because this one is Spider-Man. It might be the reason we started this, so that Dan could geek out about Spider-Man. Almost. Uh, Spider-Man Two, yeah. more specifically, but th- we had to get here first. I didn't. I didn't want to give away the entire goat. It's all. It's I all think for we Dan. Already gave it away. <laughs> I am like ninety-five percent sure this podcast will end after we glorify Spider-Man Two, but that's okay. We're not there yet. What else is there to say after Spider-Man Two, the up. superhero movie? To be fair, though, Spider-Man One definitely worth talking about because it was a big one. And the yes. segue to Spider-Man Two. <laughs> You're right. If you haven't heard this podcast before, this is just a fun way to break down and dissect these movies. You know, they're obviously super important in terms of the landscape of cinema in the last 20 years. What we do is we rewatch these movies, break it down, share our thoughts, have a couple categories to go through. Overall, just a fun time, but let's do it. Let's talk about Spider-Man. Before we get into opinions, let's go through some quick facts. This was directed by Sam Raimi. Some other director options I found uh, before they picked Sam Raimi, Roland Emmerich, Ang Lee, Chris Columbus, Jan DeBont, M. Night Shyamalan, David Fincher, and Tony Scott, all considered for this movie. That's a weird group of directors. I think Raimi was the right choice here, but it would have been cool to see something like Fincher Spider-Man. Apparently, he was in talks to do it, but he wanted to do a very dark version of Spider-Man that the studio was just not on board for. I mean, I don't I don't know if considering, you know, it came out in 2000, but I feel like John Woo could have been tapped. I wanted more doves in my Spider-Man <laughs> movies. Uh, it was written by David Kep who also wrote Jurassic Park and Mission Impossible and just a bunch of movies. Although this movie was written by a lot of people, he's just the one that got credit in the end. And I think a lot of the actual original storyline was by James Cameron, Mm. who wrote this in the early 90s. He could have directed this well. He thought about it, but we'll go through a little bit. But it basically was in development hell for 25 years. To sit there unproduced for so long and then to have the success of something like X-Men, like I'm sure that pushed this through. That's a great segue, Tom. If you've never listened to our X-Men podcast, that was our first one. We had a great time with that one. All right, Spider-Man debuted May 3rd, 2002. It had a budget of $139 million, but it made a shit ton of money. <laughs> it made $825 million worldwide. Dang. <laughs> $407 million domestic. It, you kind of forget how big this movie was. I mean, it was big enough to save Dr. Pepper for another 20 years, for God's sakes. (laughs) For context, our previous three episodes we did, X-Men, Unbreakable, and Blade 2, combined those box offices for only $334 million. So this made all of that back and more. That's wild. Adjusted to inflation, this is the 39th highest grossing film of all time. It was the highest grossing movie in 2002, beating out Attack of the Clones, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. So a lot of big box office That is impressive. There. That is impressive. It became the first film to make $100 million in a weekend. I will say of the movies we've done so far, this is the one that seems most aimed at kids. Sure. And I'm sure that definitely helped. I feel like this one was the one that was directed at a more broad audience, too. I remember growing up, my dad would be watching the Spider-Man trilogy all the time on the couch. And he was never a superhero movie person. But I remember even he would watch this. It was just really random. Yeah, I guess it was maybe was it a dad movie. I don't know. (laughs) 
I think you're right, though, that this is a movie that was definitely appropriate for everyone, geared towards everyone, which makes Raimi such a weird choice. And we can get into this later. I don't know. But um, Raimi had really only done like weird genre movies up to this point, aside from a few unsuccessful ones a few years prior to this. But, you know, guy known for Evil Dead and Dark Man and stuff like that is who they tap for Spider-Man for, you know, family audiences. It was it was kind of a gamble, but a good one. So yeah, huge budget, made a ton of money, really kind of redefined the superhero genre, I would say, and redefined it less as a genre movie and more of this is a summer blockbuster kind of movie. This kicked off the summer. I think we wouldn't have gotten things like any of the Marvel movies just like becoming like these huge box office draws without something like Spider-Man. Obviously, X-Men was first and you could credit Blade for having success, but none of those had the success that this had. It really is essentially the start of the superhero craze. And I think when we get into our later episodes, we'll probably find out that a lot of those movies were greenlit because this made so much money. I'm thinking of things like Fantastic Four and Hulk and some of those mid-2000s movies that maybe studios wouldn't have taken a chance on had it not been for this. Okay, let's get to some reactions. What did this movie mean to you personally? Uh, you know, did you have a history with it growing up? And what did you notice on the rewatch? This was probably the first superhero movie that I saw in theaters. Yeah, I, I, think, I think mine too. Yeah, I don't remember really liking a lot of superhero stuff growing up. I mean, unless you want to talk Powerpuff Girls, then I'm here all day. But this... can, can we please talk about Powerpuff <laughs> yeah, Girls? Yeah, Mojo Jojo. <laughs> so when we talked about X-Men, we found out that I, I think I was the only one of the three that actually went and saw it in theaters probably and, and, and watched it a lot when it first came out. So Spider-Man was pretty similar of reaction to me. Like it meant a lot to me just because, you know, I was into genre stuff, but it was much more popular. So I felt much more validated with Spider-Man than I did with X-Men. Yeah, I remember seeing this in theaters with my mom. My mom took me and I remember even she like she doesn't like these kind of movies, but she like loves the Spider-Man movies for some reason. All three of them, actually. So I think that just speaks to the universality of all of these movies and how easy it is just to like this, even though it's a little cheesy. But I would say like that 2000 the 2003 range was like the era where I kind of grew up and like started appreciating maybe not good cinema but I remember appreciating like blockbuster cinema going to the movies multiple times to see the same movie I'm thinking of things like Harry Potter Lord of the Rings Pirates of the Caribbean, Shrek, and Spider-Man. Like Those were like the big movies at the time. Shrek. Hey, Shrek was huge. <laughs> Growing up and watching sort of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, like the, I, just, I was always a big fan of the villains. So I saw some similarities there. I did not see this in theaters, and I was slow to seeing it originally. Spider-Man's always just kind of been like, okay with me. I know that's kind of sacrilegious <laughs> that's to say. controversial. I know, but he, he's okay. I, I, I know people love him. I think he's fun. I don't love him as much as other people, but because of that, my first sort of interaction with this movie was from watching it on TV. It was on TBS all the time. All the time. <laughs> I actually think I read TBS and TNT paid $60 million to get the TV rights for this. Holy cow. It's probably made them plenty. I mean, I remember this being on TV constantly growing up. I don't know, maybe because it was on TV, I didn't have as much respect for it than either. And a shame to say that because I did see it on TV, I don't know for 100% certainty that I had seen it all the way through until this viewing. So this oh, viewing really what? changed my mind. I know, I know, that's that's bad to say. I did have this at a five before on IMDb, and now I, I have it on a, as a seven. Um, Yeah, opposite of that, I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie 20 times. Like, I had the DVD, <laughs> the full screen edition of the DVD, because, you know, who had widescreen TVs in 2002? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about when we watched it. We watched it last night. What was your reaction watching it almost 
18 years later, over 18 years later. I don't like that. 18 years? Gross. <laughs> Ooh, uh, kind of segueing to how I was like, yeah, I guess I just really didn't appreciate as much as I should have. The opening with the Danny Elfman score, yes. which I didn't remember. And again, being a fan of Batman, like that that struck a lot of those Batman chords with me. And I loved that. So I'm going to tell an embarrassing story really quick. So sure. yesterday I was leaving work and we were about to do this podcast and I was getting excited to watch Spider-Man again. I'm like, you know what? The, I think it has a really cool like opening theme. So I'm going to go listen to it on my phone while I'm leaving work. So I pull it up on iTunes. I put my AirPods in to walk away and I click the intro theme by Danny Elfman. I'm super excited and I, I can hear it, but it's pretty quiet. So I keep turning it up. And I'm like, how come my AirPods are not working very well? I'm turning it all the way up. <laughs> I'm realizing halfway through the song that my AirPods are not connected, and I'm just blasting the Spider-Man theme through the cubicles. <laughs> at, least, <laughs> at least it was a Friday, I guess. To be fair, I, th- I think people really need to hear that. I think I think it probably helped a few people. In yeah. these times, yes. You know what? Anybody who was still stuck in the office by the time you left on a Friday, they deserved that Danny Elfman <laughs> score. <laughs> Okay, so besides the score, what do we think of the movie? I liked it a lot more watching it now than I did before. I think I didn't give it the credit it deserved. And not to say it's some kind of masterpiece or anything. It's definitely not in my top 10. But I don't know. I liked it more this watch than I had before. And maybe it's that I've given it enough time to enjoy it more now. I think Tobey Maguire deserves a lot of credit too. You know, Dan Dan mentioned earlier, it's super cheesy, but also he's just, he's so good at that like awkwardness and, and kind of cringe factor that he, he really is well cast. He definitely has the face that's launched a thousand memes for sure. And that's, I, that's good for the character. That's the other thing is to watch it now and see like, this is a source of like four solid commonly used <laughs> memes. I mean, so that being said, like the movie is a strong foundation all around. I will say going forward, like it makes sense that the dominoes fell the way they did. Yeah, I would say watching it as an adult, you definitely realize how like cheesy, like the shots are cheesy. The lines are not good sometimes, but like as a whole, that kind of works for me. Like individually, you could pick out, you know, some dumb thing in it. You'd be like, oh my gosh, it's so dumb. But (laughs) as a whole, I think it all works. And I think having Raimi as a director is really solid because he knows that's kind of cheesy too. Like he's winking. He knows this is a comic book movie. He's not making fun of a comic book movie, but he's having the most fun in it that he can. For general tone and 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 what they ended up with, it was exactly kind of what they needed, exactly what they were looking for. And obviously, we can talk about this later. But the effects are okay. Some of them have aged poorly, but overall, I think they get the thrill and excitement of Spider-Man swinging through New York is kind of fun, even still. And that's just kind of a central piece of the character. Don't mess with New York. All right, I've got a bunch of trivia here. I'll just run through quick. You can react if you want. Uh, so this was stuck in production for 25 years. Part of it was just the CGI couldn't catch up with the character quite in time. You know, sure. to really make this a movie, you really needed at least two early 2000 CGI. It probably would have been better even like later 2000s. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. Nothing felt overly video game esque. There's like a Blade few. Two. There's a few. Not that that like really st- stood out. Like I think if you had asked me, you know, a couple weeks before I had rewatched this, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'm sure it's terrible, but it's it's not so bad." I do also want to point out that while some of them are kind of video gamey, they're like modern video gamey. So right, you know, you can tell they're different, but they do look pretty good. Like it's well done CGI. Uh, they plan to have Hugh Jackman make a cameo as Wolverine in this movie. And Hugh Jackman even flew to New York to film this scene. And they did not film it or include it. Why would they not have done that? Huge jacked man. I was surprised because I thought there would be some rights issues there between the two studios. But apparently they had some ideas of blending these two universes even back in 2002. 
I'd like to think he got there to New York and then had some bad street meat and then just couldn't film his scenes. I can't even imagine Tobey Maguire and Hugh Jackman together in general, let alone <laughs> in the context of this film. I would have loved that. I would have loved it too. It's just very odd to picture in my mind. I'd like to think that his scene would have been like some cameo at the very end where it's like Bonesaw one more time and he's like, yeah, I'll fight whoever wants to fight. And Wolverine just walks in and like kind of an homage to the the cage fight that we saw in X-Men. They also cast an actor to play Eddie Brock also known as Venom later. I, I did notice that name they, they drop. They mentioned Eddie. And they, I was like, do they show him in here? Well, they actually shot a scene with this guy, but apparently it was cut. Uh, there was some controversy when they included the organic web shooter in this movie. Obviously, <laughs> you know, the hardcore fans didn't like that. The organic web. <laughs> just yeah. like just something about that cracks me up. <laughs> it's vegan webbing. Um, that was actually James Cameron's idea in the script. He thought it would be a little implausible that high school age Peter Parker could come up with like a super structure adhesive type thing in, in his bedroom. James Cameron doesn't understand how nerds work. I would, I would love to think James Cameron goes, I'm a bit of a scientist myself <laughs> and I don't think that's believable <laughs> at all. You know, it's interesting because I, I grew up with this Spider-Man as my guide for Spider-Man. I just kind of assumed that all Spider-Man had this organic thing, you know, like I didn't know there was a web shooter. When they brought up the web shooter in other movies, I thought, that's kind of implausible. Like, why? How would he come up with all that? How does he hide the hole that it comes out of? So Dan is James Cameron. Basically. I'm on James Cameron's side on this. I'm just saying. It freaks me out when it's organic webbing. I don't know if that was where you were going to go next. No, I, I actually think that the organic webbing is fine. It, I, I never want to hear the word organic webbing ever again. Does, I'm going to say it a couple more times. webbing. I'm does, done. Does, does he enjoy it when he shoots it? Is it orgasmic Stop. webbing? Stop. <laughs> Other O words. There are definitely a lot of puberty metaphors in this movie. Absolutely. I mean, that could be one. I want to Especially cut this whole with segment. his I'm aunt mad. and uncle being like, what is he doing in his room? <laughs> Gross. So there, I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a teaser trailer for this movie about a year in advance, and it played before a lot of movies in 2001, and it featured Spider-Man roping up a criminal helicopter between the Twin Towers. Oh, I do kind of remember yes. that. So they had to pull that teaser from theaters. Uh, you can still find it on YouTube. It's that pretty, might be where I saw it. Pretty poor quality. But there were also a bunch of scenes in the movie where the World Trade Center was just kind of in the background, you know, just in the skyline that they had to digitally remove from this movie. <laughs> That's right. painful. Makes you wonder how many movies that had happened to, to that. I guess. So the effects shots were actually very complex because anytime they were doing like a rotoscope background, you couldn't use a green screen and a blue screen for Spider-Man and Green Goblin because they each had blue and green so they had to use a green screen for spider-man and they'd use a blue screen for the green goblin that's like one of the nerdiest problems i've ever heard (laughs) there's some other trivia but i might save it for some of these categories so let's move on uh first category is casting decisions just doing some research on people who may have been cast or maybe some ideas that we wish would have taken the role instead so for spider-man the studios wanted a bunch of different people but Sam Raimi always wanted Tobey Maguire. He really believed in Tobey and uh, on a first name basis. <laughs> him and the Tobes were tight. <laughs> him and the Tobster. What was, can you guys... He called him Toblerone. <laughs> Toblerone. Damn it, I can't say it. Do you know off the top of your head what 
Tobey Maguire was in before this because I can think of things around the same time right period. Now. Uh, the Cider House Rules was right before this, and that he was. In- oh, he was in that famous movie Cats and Dogs, the <laughs> one where they're like fighting and they're different spy agencies. He was oh. in that movie. Was Seabiscuit before this? It was after I don't this. remember. So the studios wanted some more recognizable names. Uh, the biggest one was Leonardo DiCaprio, and that was when James Cameron was in talks of directing in the the mid '90s. So when DiCaprio was pretty young, even before Titanic, would have been interesting. I don't think he could have pulled off the nerdness of Peter Parker. No, he's way too cool i'm trying to think of what superhero in general i could see leonardo dicaprio as now it is true that dicaprio is too cool because when they were in great gatsby you know who got cast as gatsby am i right that's fair pretty great other options were freddie prince jr okay i'm here for it I just feel like he would have been such a broy Spider-Man at that point. I dig it. Uh, Wes Bentley. The other big one was Heath Ledger. I don't know. I can't see that. He's too pretty. Yeah, he also just like it's not the right role for him. He's like no. instead of I'm, the, I'm positive he could have done it. Instead but. of he the school nerd, he'd been like the emo Spider-Man. Even like the Spider-Man three, like he had done the Spider-Man three emo section really well. Yeah, I think Tobey <laughs> Maguire gets a lot of crap for these movies but i think he was the right choice for these movies at this first one again looking back like he gets so much more credit he's just like he's the nerd that fits this role perfectly and i'll blame my memory on the like spider-man 3 some other options for norman osborne slash green goblin nicholas cage was considered oh and God. turned it down that's too perfect and the fact that we were robbed of that hurts me <laughs> physically it would have been pretty glorious i feel like if that would have happened spider-man would have been played more often at midnight showings at the uptown theater <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a bit of a comic uh, nerd himself so the fact that he turned that down hurts He was probably still holding out for superman at that point god what an unrealistic expectation <laughs> that is some other ones, Jason Isaacs. He's definitely that. got the evil bastard thing going, so yeah. he, he probably could have done that pretty well. I don't know how well he would have done the crazy, though. Uh, Malkovich? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm kind of here for that movie, too. That The voice, <laughs> just, the f- I, can't, I can't imagine that. Which, Give there me- was talks of Malkovich being the vulture in Spider-Man 4 that never came to fruition. Like, what bald celebrity could we get to be the, the, <laughs> the vulture? <laughs> Give me the Freddie Prince Jr. Malkovich Spider Man. <laughs> Gross. It's interesting to think how we might not have superhero movies today if, we, if they had <laughs> cast those two. In a different world. That the hurts. other big one that turned down the role was Jim Carrey. Huh. Oh, he definitely has the crazy, but he's not intimidating. And no, he's just yeah. too tall and lanky. No, I like him too much as just picturing him as the Riddler. <laughs> I, I think also with Jim Carrey, he would have been too well known and people would have gone to see the new Jim Carrey movie, not to go see Spider-Man. Yeah, I think of that as a big picture superhero thing in general. But I do feel like when I look at Marvel movies and superhero movies in general, I think the better ones are with people who are cast that we don't know as well. Yeah, like as a kid, I didn't know Willem Dafoe at all. I was not a big, you know, I, I wasn't watching Platoon at age no. 10. <laughs> what? <laughs> now, in hindsight, I love Willem Dafoe and his body of work is amazing. I think it's great casting. I think he was the right choice. For that is role. another thing on this viewing. Now having the proper respect of Willem, Willem Dafoe, that definitely helps. One other one that I saw on the internet, I don't think this was actually true. If, I don't think they're actually considering him, but... Watching the movie, I can see them pulling it off is Christopher Walken as Norman Osborn. I didn't think about that, and I hate myself for not thinking about that, but I would have loved that. You I think you were robbed of a Nick Cage Green yeah. Goblin. Oh. <laughs> I don't think he could have pulled off the Green Goblin stuff, but the Norman Osborn stuff, he would definitely yeah, that would yeah, yeah, he's definitely got sleek 80s businessman, but I think he might have been a smidge too old even then. That's my thing is that, well, I don't know. If he's a super rich dude, I wouldn't be surprised if he yeah. had a kid super old, but still. 
Not a lot of other options for Mary Jane. The only one I saw was Alicia Witt, who is not a very big name. Um, also, Elizabeth Banks, who's in the movie, uh, auditioned for it but didn't get it. Some interesting choices for J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, obviously, we got the great J.K. Simmons, but some other ones. Hugh Laurie was considered. Uh, Arlie Ermey, the <laughs> drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah, that would have been good. Michael Keaton, which I would have loved to see Michael Keaton. That just in makes that. you think yeah. of Searchlight. That would have been Oh, no, sorry, fun. Spotlight, yes. Okay. I think I'm, I'm mentally just thinking of people that are like, who has a mustache at this time <laughs> that would be like fun? Robert Goulet, maybe he could have done it. <laughs> and. Most interestingly, Stan Lee wanted to play Jameson. He begged the studio to let him play the role, and they he didn't. He was allow just a him. smidge younger. Yes, all day. Because uh, like, if you look at him in like the seventies with the mustache and like how he looks, like like, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, but also shame on the studio for not giving poor old Stan Lee. Yeah, I was gonna say Stan Lee deserves everything. That poor, he wants. poor, <laughs> filthy rich Stan Lee. Oh, he's boo-hoo. perfect, and he deserves to, everything. To be fair, after he saw J.K. Simmons, he was like, oh no, he's much better. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's fine either That's way. Also very Stanley to just be like, yep, you're right. All right, moving on to our next category, best scene. I've got a couple of nominees. You guys might have a couple of nominees as well, but here are some of mine that I like. We have the the testing out of the powers when he first, you know, goes on the rooftops and tries to shoot the web and is just running through buildings. Kind of fun. Possibly my favorite scene is the bone saw wrestling match. I don't know about you guys. You get Bruce Campbell, you get Octavia Spencer. I was waiting for that. I was like, is that your favorite scene? Honestly, that might be the most fun scene in the movie. Oh, of course, Randy Savage. Macho man Randy Savage. I've got the Uncle Ben revenge where he goes after Uncle Ben's killer. Uh, the Unity Day Festival. I didn't realize just when you said that. We, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't spend too much time with Uncle Ben. No, he's like, not in it Looking much. back, like he's yeah. really not in, in it at all. They had to murder him so they could get the plot moving. That's fair. Other nominees, the Thanksgiving Day scene, just a great awkward family dinner, along yep. with the the blood dripping from the ceiling and Norman Osborn figuring out. That um, was a very like Alfred Hitchcocky like yeah, sure. the bad guy and the good guy just miss each other. One nominee I had was the Our Father scene of um Aunt May saying the Our Father and Green Gullivan coming in saying finish it. That's pretty terrifying. I didn't yeah. I didn't remember that, that's for sure. Yeah, that was something where I don't I didn't realize until rewatch how weird like her whole like yes. insanity after that was. Like that, that <laughs> it's it's a little out of place. Yeah. And final nominees, the Roosevelt Island Ferry kind of final set piece right. with, with the kids and Mary Jane in the final fight. My other nominee here is Defoe in the mirror. Doing okay. the doing the two doing the two different man roles in the mirror bit because Defoe is so good. That's He's pure, so good. Pure good crazy. I would say just the first time Spider Man and Green Goblin meet the Unity Day Festival or That's whatever the hell that is. It's the first time these people have been off the comics into the page sure. and they're getting their hands dirty and like there's something about that. Like sure the bridge is great and that is probably the better like fight sequence obviously, but something about the first time having those iconic you know hero villain. That's why I got to throw it to that. In the same vein of those first time moments, I guess with a lot of superhero movies, there's just that epic moment, whether the movie is good or bad, where there's just like the Justice League is all reuniting for the first time or like the scene in in the Avengers when they're all together for the first time in one scene. And I feel like Spider-Man swinging through New York City in the very end end of the movie i remember as a kid watching that in theaters and being like this is so cool and so i feel like just for the nostalgia of that that was one of my favorite scenes i'm gonna go with the bone saw wrestling match i think that's just like the most fun it's the most sam raimi of the scenes i think and just 
overall good time. I thought it was funny. Like I could remember that scene, but rewatching it this time, how quickly it spiraled out of control for Spider-Man. Cause it went from like, Oh, just stay in the ring to a cage match. And like, why him? Why did he get the cage match? Just to clear the air, is this your sports moment of this podcast? Oh, here comes the segue. You know, I was really hoping for a better sports moment. I'm not a huge wrestling fan, but I'll take it. This is sports in a movie. (laughs) And that's Dan Sports Corner. Great. (laughs) Uh, as much as I love the just wild Defoe performances, I think probably the my vote for best scene here is uh, Peter learning his powers. Learning that he can shoot organic web out of his wrist? Is that, is that the answer? Stop. All right, let's go to Villain Corner, where we rate the diabolical plan of the villain. Let's talk about the Green Goblin. Norman Osborn, he wants revenge on his board members and the, the military guys who ruined his career. Makes sense. Kills them right away. Pretty easy to kill them. Turns them into skeletons. That's it. <laughs> skeletons. <laughs> I'm sad we only see that once. The spooky skeletons. Um, my question is more after that. What is his overall goal here, other than like, just like chaos? Exactly. Like so, when I was thinking about, well, what are we gonna do when we get to this section? It was like I'm pretty sure he just makes up his plan as it goes along. Like whoever wrongs him, his Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde personality just attacks that person. Like that's it for a plan. I mean, he he really is driven by revenge, but like. Dan said, like, he, he made them spooky skeletons. I just, um, there's no... So pretty much after that, he just kind of pissed off at Spider-Man for getting in his way. <sighs> he didn't. Even, Spider-Man didn't even stop him, but he got in the way, and so he just wants revenge, and that's about all we get. Well, then he also wants Spider-Man to join him for some reason. I, I would make a case that his plan, whatever it may be, is a good plan because he's crazy. So it doesn't have to make sense. They really just didn't put a whole lot of thought into getting that to work they just said okay we need green goblin in there just make him crazy i wish it was almost like he just felt he was smarter than other people but in this he seems really dumb i mean he loses his company he is something of a scientist himself though (laughs) well he's not anything of a businessman if he can lose oscorp that was like a big thing on this research i'm like okay his name's on the building it's a public company though he's a smart guy though people get ousted from their businesses it's a thing that happens i just can't Steve imagine Jobs lost his job at Apple. I, I know, but like when they're this evil and they come up with this stuff, I'm like, I just find it hard to believe. I know that's dumb, okay. He would keep in mind he wasn't evil until the he actually did the human testing. He was maybe a jerk, a but he wasn't. He wasn't. He was a bad dad. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Bad dad. No, bad dad. I would argue that he seems like a good dad. I mean, like when he takes his son to the field trip and he, rolls, he literally and his son's ashamed of him. He literally goes up and is like praising Peter as he yeah, just he, okay yelling at he Harry. He literally wants Peter that, to be his son. That he is, is a separate he issue. He is a bad father. That's a separate issue. He, he he does. He has. He gives his son money, but he's a bad father. I just don't think he knows really how to be a dad, possibly. But like yes, which makes him a bad father. He seems like he's trying though. Like he drives. He the first scene we meet him he drives his son to school and his son's like i don't want to be seen with you we're rich blah, blah, blah. james he's Franco. such a jerk to harry in that scene how I is that your example what, what does he say to him that's mean <sighs> all right we gotta move on <laughs> no i disagree dan i say we fight this because then it's like i'm gonna argue all right guys welcome to the podcast yeah, is a good norman osborne a good father <laughs> have we added I'm a upset. new good dad bad dad segment <laughs> to our podcast good dad bad dad <laughs> or no dad occasionally <laughs> Okay, we're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> All right, moving on to capes and tights, where we rate the superhero costumes of the movie. 
Um, let's talk about the costumes. The Spider-Man look is pretty classic. I don't think they took a lot of chances there. It's basically what you think of Spider-Man. The whole scene of him designing his costume is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I know I'll probably talk about that and what aged the worst, but yeah. oh my gosh. Can't, can't create a web shooting device, but can design his own costume. Yeah, I think that's a little easier. <sighs> I, I do also like the costume design for his uh, bone saw scene. He it's goes absolutely, from that. <laughs> it's absolutely the type of thing that like, a high school kid would be like, yeah, I look super cool. Like, that strikes me as a Dan thing. Dan totally would have done that well, in high school. How does human it, spider. How does it go from that costume to the other one he's got? Like, that's one of those bits. Yeah. Oh, well. Green Goblin's costume, a little controversial. It's very armored versus, like, the comic book costume is more of, like, looks like a goblin. And yeah. actually, they originally had, like, an animatronic, like, rubber mask for the goblin. And it looked pretty creepy. Hmm. But it also looked a little weird. Like, I think the... Overall, like soldier look kind of fits, but it is a little weird. I do think if this had been earlier in like time, could you just imagine like the Jim Henson Studio creepy goblin mm-hmm. puppet they could have like rigged up? Oof. I do think it's a shame that Willem Dafoe couldn't use his face because it's pretty terrifying. I, I, I will argue that, you know, how can we make it sort of believable? Like, do we want him to look like a goblin versus the it was a deal for the military. It should just look like armor and it's intimidating. Like, I like that cop out. Well, this is one of my questions is why is this company that's trying to get a contract with the military? Why did they design this glider suit to be so obviously evil? Like, you think they would have gone for something a little less extreme? It's like the Nazis having skulls yeah, on their heads. Yeah, right. Like, like, this is okay. Even the first scene they show it, they don't show the helmet. It's just like, that looks like a creepy, like, what are they working on? Mm-hmm. Uh, special shout out to the early 2000s high school attire. Oh, really brought back some memories wolf. there. That's like the worst part about this era of movies, in my opinion, is just looking at any early 2000s film and you see all of the like midriff tops and the low rise jeans and like the floral print shirts that just look ridiculous. What a time to be alive. So a lot of this is a lot of this is MJ's wardrobe and uh, going with bad costuming for her. Uh, her hair is is really aggressive. Her hair is horrendous. I put that in one of the things that's aged the worst is I can't stand a fake ginger in a movie. It, it drives me wild. And her for context, Kat is a real ginger. Yeah. Yes, she's real, just, 100%. Maybe I just want to be Mary Jane, but I know. All right, let's move on to our next question. Which side character deserved a spinoff movie? J. Jonah Jameson, yeah, that's right? All I had. <laughs> that's that's what I wrote too. That was my obvious choice. And then uh, just before we started recording, I did also consider Bonesaw. <laughs> no, I don't want that. Oh, no, come on! Like a, a a great movie with Bonesaw and Bruce Campbell as the announcer, and like they're just going working from their town way. to town. Yeah, shenanigans. Yeah, that could be good. Just like a weird road movie with those two. I I would like it if like every town there's some like really obscure Marvel character you haven't heard of, and they just that's the first time they like meet. they go to. Alaska and fight Wolverine. Right. There'd be something like that, and then they end up having to like team up. I would actually, yeah. you've sold me, Tom. Uh, the J. Jonah Jameson, though, I feel like it would have to be like a prequel, sort of like an origin story. I almost imagine like an ace in the hole type, like he's getting into the newspaper yeah, business. I was thinking like all the president's men, he just like breaks like this huge story. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want him to be a hero. It's got to be a little like. I say grimy. that's that's a problem is that you can't really make. Jameson into a heroic character, no. so you gotta. It's got to be like a rise to power, but also like a ooh, it's a little, little dirty. 
Okay, let's go on to the producer's chair. If you could go back and change one thing about the movie, what would it be? I feel like the beginning of this movie drags, and I don't know if it's just because we've heard the origin story of Spider-Man so many times, but I'm kind of like, we could have gotten to the chase a little quicker, I guess. I think that's, that's Maybe that's true. just a gripe that I have looking back with how many adaptations we've had of Spider-Man, but I don't know. I didn't need to see it that much of it. It's like watching Batman's parents get killed like over it. Right. My choice would be... To- get rid of some of the very obnoxious 2000 early 2000s editing um a lot of the like the superimposing of of you know images while he's like designing his costume and and the weird car mary jane it it's yeah the like, montage we, we could we could have we could go a little more you know respectable and adult than that it's also kind of comic booky though too so yeah. i'm i'm fine with it being in there if ever it was going to be in something the thing I would change is I would fix some of the static scenes that Peter and Mary Jane have. I think they've got like five scenes together and they're all just like of them standing and talking and they're like, it's good character development, but like literally like they're standing in the backyard. They're standing outside the diner. They're standing like in the alley. They're True. standing or they're sitting at the hospital talking. I just wish there was a little bit more excitement to those scenes. Cause I feel pretty like that's stacked. pretty pivotal moments in the film, especially for Peter Parker's character. All right, let's go to the cringe factor. Uh, This is an older movie. What aged the worst and what doesn't look good anymore? I would say the number one thing that crossed my mind even before watching this movie is I knew it was in there. Macy Gray. I put that in my question section. Uh, Like, huh? How dare you? Macy Gray deserves so much. How don't don't insult her like that. Do you Dan. know how long she sits by the phone every day and waits for Marvel <laughs> I'm to not call insulting her? her. I actually think her music's fine. It's just like as soon as that happens in the movie, you're like, Oh yeah, oh, this yeah, is two thousand two. Two thousand two. Her outfit too is a, another one to take note of. I feel like the women representation in this movie is really rough. Um Mary Jane is kind of a weak character. She could have a lot more to her. I don't know. I just yeah. think she's always been I weak. don't mind Kirsten Dunst, but in this role by any means, but I just think like character development wise, there could have been a lot more. Even Aunt May, you're like, ah, like she's kind of lovable, but at the same time, she's just like there to what cook for them. And I, I, I agree a little less with Aunt May only because she is just like a guiding presence. But yeah, as, as far as Mary Jane, I just she's definitely one of my characters I don't really care about in these movies. Yeah, the CGI looks okay, but the a few spots where it doesn't look good is when he's wearing the original Spider-Man costume and he's, you can see his face a little bit more. You can definitely tell it's not a real person. Like it looks just like a computerized version of Tobey Maguire when he's wearing the full mask. It doesn't really matter because you're just seeing Spider-Man. But yeah, there's a few spots where I'm like, Ooh, I'd never noticed how bad that looked before. (laughs) Sure. All right, let's move on to questions. What questions does this movie raise? What were you thinking about watching this movie? There were no qualms he had in testing out his his web shooter. I mean, I feel like... He just went for it. Yeah, he did. He was just swinging from building to building without being like, hmm, maybe I should just like test this out on a little lower, uh, closer to ground level surface. And yeah, he was just, I mean, good for him, I guess. That raises my question of how much organic web fluid does he have in his body? What's the like the, the reload time on that? Like how many times in between rounds can he go? So one of the questions that I had was, what reason would Norman leave Spider-Man's mask on when he knocks him out? And 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 he's he's got him knocked out for so long. Just take off the mask. You'll know who he is. You'll have the advantage. That's classic villaining. I've got a couple of questions. Uh, one is, how long have Peter and Harry known each other? It seems like Harry just kind of transferred to this new public school, but they also seem like they're like best friends. He even says like, you're like a brother to me. 
Like, are they? How? What's the how? relationship like? I think Harry just sought out the nearest nerd so that he wouldn't have to deal with all the bullshit. And Peter was like, "Hey, my first friend. That makes you the best one." One of my other questions here is, what comes in a box of Christmas meat? Uh, what I I'm ham, curious. I assume. Yeah, I'm guessing you ham. Know, then it's just sending a ham. There's got to be more if it's Christmas meat. Should I Google Christmas meat? Uh, please don't. You're going to get some weird Santa stuff. you get a hell of a stocking stuffer looking that up. Um, I would ask uh, Norman Osborn when he first realized he was developing feelings for Peter Parker. Because uh, it's it's deep. You can tell the lust is there. And I, I it's maybe just because he wants a, a smarter son, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Uh, another one I had was, why does Jameson defend Spider-Man not give up? Like when he's threatened like that, because he's a man of integrity. I mean, but like, why? Like, he doesn't have to be a man of integrity there. Like, he obviously doesn't like Spider-Man. He's about to like be killed by the Green Goblin. Like, why is he sticking up for him? Part of me would guess because he's actually like Peter Parker's there. Like, if Peter Parker had been at home, he'd be like, "I got the pictures from Peter Parker," and like, then he could warn him. Maybe I don't don't think so. I don't think that he would give up any information under torture uh, because he is not a fan of the Green Goblin, and also because he's. Got integrity. He's a, he's integral to the money. He's a money guy. Like he he'll sell anything that will make him the green. I do like the shiny moment of maybe he's a hero, but like I don't. I no, would never. He's just count. not a narc. I don't know if I fully understand the weird tension between Aunt May and Norman at the Thanksgiving scene when she slaps his hand away and he's just all of a sudden like. Oh no, you fucking didn't. The serum just is like hell yeah, bent like on revenge. The, Any just, petty grievance. There's just a weird tension between the two that's there all of a sudden for no reason. There's a deleted scene where like before he even goes there, he goes to Starbucks, someone budges in front of him and he does the same <laughs> sort of like just revenge well, anger. That, that kind of goes to my point about how long have Peter and Harry known each other because it almost seems like May and Norman have known each other for a while too, even though they probably haven't. They probably met at graduation. All right, let's conclude with the movie's legacy. Will this movie live on for future generations, and is it a success? Is this where we're going to talk about who's the best Spider-Man? We can. We definitely can do it. Otherwise, we can wait till Amazing Spider-Man or Spider-Man Homecoming. I think we should just put it in every podcast. We never okay. know who's going to listen to it, so <laughs> bring well, me your best argument. Since this is the first one, I'm just going to put all cards at the table, I guess, that sure. I think Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. In terms of Spider-Man, I would agree with you. When he's in the costume, it's that's what I picture Spider-Man to be. He's quippy, he's funny, he's, you know, a little innocent. It's just super fun. As Peter Parker, though, I think Tobey Maguire, even though he's a little like a wet blanket sometimes, I think it fits that kind of character. Better. It is really hard to find the balance between a good Peter Parker and Spider-Man, I guess. I, I th- Hockey and nerdy. Yeah, I think the difference though is that with Tom Holland, they kind of changed the type of nerd he was i mean he's not supposed to be as nerdy as toby mcguire spider-man he, he's the kind of nerd that can make a wrist web shooter right but also still is like a little cool it's okay that he's hot you know whatever to be, to be fair when that was made it was cooler to be a nerd than even in early 2002 oh, definitely. So like he's got that benefit as well exactly well and they even you know they even make flash a nerd as well he's just a, a jerky one sign of the times so I feel like this movie could live on for future generations, depending on um, how many times TBS continues to play it on television. I'd say in terms of like a movie that's going to like last this again to go back and with the Danny Elfman score, it's like the Batman, like the first 1989 Batman. It sets a solid foundation where multiple you know movies can be made off of it. In some ways, with you were saying um, him as like the nerd, him as Peter Parker is like 
Keaton being Bruce Wayne. Like, I think he's one of my favorite Bruce Waynes. It's just the first one sets a really good, solid foundation. And for that, I think it will last. I think it will last just because, I mean, we we want to talk about legacy. Like, I, I mentioned this earlier, but this really is the movie that launched the superhero genre, Like you know, in the way that X-Men couldn't or Blade couldn't. You know, we already talked about box office returns, but like, yes, this was a huge success, a resounding success. So I, I think that this one will always, and, and you, you also have your, like, Raimi hardcore fans and, and you know there's a really good Raimi memes subreddit and stuff like that so like I, I think that it will continue to live on as an example of like how things got started and I think it's always going to work really well for a certain age of kid like watching this movie even if it hasn't aged as well in terms of CGI things like that but I think the overall characters are still super fun to watch as a kid you know kind of like growing up I remember watching the old Superman movie like the original and really liking it even though it probably wasn't up to par of late 90s like action movies it was still like really fun to watch I think this kind of movie will live on for parents showing their kids you know a Marvel movie you know maybe before they get to the MCU just showing them a fun Spider-Man movie I would say overall it's just fun like it's you know like all these movies they can have problems but if they're fun and not boring i can look past almost all of them the characters don't have to be overly deep yeah. and so it's just like let's have fun and that, it does a great job all right that wraps up spider-man i'm so excited for spider-man 2 but we got a few episodes in between that <laughs> our next episode you guys we are doing 2003 daredevil starring ben affleck i've never seen it but i love me some ben affleck i'm gonna choose to watch it with my eyes closed in true daredevil fashion i have seen it and boy that's a rewatch that is going to be interesting all right looking forward to it this is superhero century be sure to subscribe and like if you're on youtube if you're on the podcast app make sure you you know do whatever on the podcast app i don't know (laughs) i don't know what you do yeah you nerd That's it for us. We will see you next time.